Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the VC Bruner podcast, a podcast that provides a unique perspective of the startup world through the lens of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs. I am your host Digjay and today I have with me Abhishek Goel, co-founder at Traction and angel investor in startups like Delivery, Travel Triangle, Eatlo, Wahak, Wealthy and many more. Abhishek started his career with Yahoo and Amazon and also founded two startups before joining Axel Partners as a VC. After working for 3 years at Axel, Abhishek plunged back into entrepreneurship and launched two more startups, Urban Touch, which was later acquired by online fashion retailer Fashion and You, and his current venture Traction, an online startup discovery platform for VC funds. Traction is backed by angels like Ratan Tata, Nandan Nilekani, Sachin Bansal, Girish Mathrubutham, and VCs like Sequoia, Axel, and Prime Venture Partners. Besides being a serial entrepreneur and ex-VC, Abhishek is also a serial angel investor and has invested in more than 100 startups through his personal as well as institutional capital. In this episode, Abhishek talks about his exciting journey as an entrepreneur, VC and an angel investor, learnings from his previous startups in scaling his current venture traction, how being a VC and an angel investor influences his operating style as an entrepreneur, Abhishek's investment in Flipkart, his approach to angel investing and fundraising advice for founders. I learned a lot from my chat with Abhishek and I hope you enjoy this discussion as well. So, without much ado, let's dive in and find out what Abhishek has to share. Hey Abhishek, welcome to the VC Pruna podcast. Excited to have you with us today. Thank you, Jay. Really happy to be here. No, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and, you know, for our audience and listeners who don't know you yet, you know, maybe we can start with a brief uh, background about yourself and, you know, walk us through the journey that you had so far through multiple pit stops of, you know, venture investing, entrepreneurship and angel investing that you've had. So uh, I grew up in a conventional Marwadi family, which means a lot of cousins, a lot of uh, extended family being very close to you. Grew up in Jodhpur, Rajasthan, was very academically oriented in early days. Um, I was top 100 ranker in J in my batch, went to IIT Kanpur, computer science. But college was different. College was all fun, hardly any study. Post-college, went, started my career with Yahoo. Uh, this was early days when, uh, it was right after dot-com burst and Yahoo was still among the pioneers in that uh, ecosystem. Uh, Yahoo had like 100 verticals at that time. So it was a great place to learn all kind of internet businesses, right? It's like a crash course on what exists in internet. Then spent some time at Amazon. This was 2006. This is the year when Amazon launched AWS and Jeff Bezos was publicly ridiculed for uh, launching something like that. <laughs> and then I think uh, landed in Excel in 2008, a lot of serendipity. I didn't know what venture industry is. Uh, a bunch of my friends were uh, funded by them and then I got introduced to them and eventually I ended up joining them. They were also not looking to hire at that time. So I was among few programmer turned investors. Post Excel, I started Urban Touch, uh, which was backed by Excel and Tiger. And then in 2013, me and I started Traction. The broad idea was to sort of build data around startups. And uh, after Excel till now, angel investing kept happening on the side. Either I knew these people or somebody I knew very close was investing. So I kept like doing something on the side. In 2014, we launched Traction Labs, which was a sort of super angel fund. We did 65 deals through that. And then uh, last two years, I've been doing mostly personal investments. So broadly have participated in like more than 100 companies by now across all these avatars. 
Wow, that's that's awesome, and uh, you know, want to dive deeper into you know some of these aspects. Uh, but before that, you know, we can start by talking about traction. So tell us, you know, about the genesis of this idea, and what was the gap that you wanted to solve or address, you know, at, at that time in the venture ecosystem. Correct. No, I think uh, it's uh, one interesting story. So both me and Neha used to work for venture funds. Uh, I was with Axel, Neha was with Sequoia, and we are both programmers by background. So Neha went to IIT Bombay Computer Science. Um, and we were broadly investing in technology sectors and we realized that a lot of work is like just repeated across funds so for example if i like a company i would like then scan the market and see are there any other interesting companies that exist in the same market which are probably like significantly ahead of them and every time a company that same company would write to next fund and if they had a similar opinion they would do the same market scan and we thought that everybody is just reinventing the wheels some a platform should exist where i can see all the companies in that market or for discovery we used to do like lot of manual work for example if you want to invest you will keep a track of companies that are getting into news or companies which are in uh, doing advertising on holding so you will keep a track of them and we thought that technology should be able to solve a lot of that and if one person can build it out and give it to everybody then it's so much more efficient so it started with that small insight and then as we started building i think uh, it grew into a much larger vision which uh, was now to organize information about private companies accelerate innovation by enabling the ecosystem around it be it private market investors investment banks corporate m&a teams innovation teams so now we want to become a platform which uh, all of these guys used to discover innovation or track private companies got it and you've scaled the company you know globally now you have clients across geographies uh, most of them are venture funds and uh, you know corporates running their own accelerators so tell us you know about the transition that you had to make and that adjustment of you know running a global company uh, while primarily you know being in india and the b2b sales aspect of that correct so most people don't know this but we started with us as the first market the idea was pretty clear that we will start we like us europe these are our largest geographies and we want to be a dominant player there and we got incubated in lightspeed us office actually they have a summer program with stanford kids and neha was doing her mba then basically in summer you can spend like uh, maybe 6 to 8 weeks and try your hands on entrepreneurship and because vcs were going to be a customer we used that opportunity to actually work very closely with them i think lightspeed us has a partner called berry eggers he is a very senior partner and he worked very closely with us helped us define what models to launch first and um, when we were defining all of that we realized that not only this business requires technology it also requires a lot of uh, deep human curation because everybody we were meeting was saying that look um, we are happy to pay 10 times more but give us enterprise grade data so then we decided to sort of uh, build this company in india instead of uh, valley and um, i came back neha was still finishing her uh, business school and then uh, we started building the software for data from here and at some stage after working closely with uh, ne and lightspeed in us we started to hear feedback that we are giving them some companies which they think are interesting and then we knew that we are ready to scale and we started working on that and the first sector that we launched was cybersecurity which actually has very little presence in india in some ways and the second was actually bit- bitcoin these were first two sectors that we started tracking as a company and then we started scaling at some stage we realized that a lot of we knew a lot of people in india and they started taking data from us and they were not not really paying so we realized that we have to launch india and uh, we had to do extra work to launch india because being in india you have to pay gst so you have to do all that paperwork separately so it took us 2 3 months to get there but we had many meaningful customers in us before we launched india so that's how this whole thing worked out and on gtm front it was still debatable at that stage that should we do inside sales should we do full feet on street sales 
and we actually did a mixed model where we tried both the things and we did realize that eventually inside sales was working better for our model and so today we have like 600 plus people team in production as well as distribution and all of them are based out of bangalore in the single office so it's a truly made from india for the world kind of setup awesome and it's a very you know counter counter intuitive transition that you had to go through you know usually it's the other way where you start from india and then you know one of the co-founder tries to be on ground you know to drive sales uh, here it's the other way around and glad you know it's, it has worked out for traction and just seeing the scale that you guys have grown over the years uh, it's it's truly commendable and it's one of the examples that a lot of b2b saas startups you know can learn from just looking at this case study and the way uh, you guys have approached you know scaling the company so abhishek attraction was your fourth venture as an entrepreneur what were the learnings from your previous startups that helped you build a strong foundation for this latest venture that you're building correct so i think um, before joining axel there was a lot of i would keep trying to do something new and the way to think about that is this, these were companies not built from a startup perspective they were all either i would take a project for outsourcing and see if i can build a setup around that so these are like a lot of hustles and you know it was built similarly to how infi got built versus how flipkart got built right so those initiatives were around that but i think it also sort of taught me how hard this journey is and when this entire startup ecosystem flourished then you can also relate to how important it is to have these uh, networks around you who can help you can sort of there is a shared knowledge it's not as lonely as it used to be but that entire initial journey it teaches you a lot of functional skills around hiring teaching like working with people grooming them so all the functional skills got acquired then but after i went to excel i realized that how to think about a business from a startup scalable startup perspective and then everything changed after that but you get to like know a lot about functional skills during that period and that is always helpful got it and you know you mentioned uh, going to excel kind of change your perspective on venture building and we are seeing a lot of vcs now you know getting into venture building starting their own companies after spending some time in vc so how did you know being a vc and an angel investor you know throughout that journey before starting you know traction influence your operating style you know as a founder so i think um, there are couple of large things one on the strategy front and one is on fundraising front so i think strategy front i think your benchmark becomes like 100x more when i was doing a startup or doing a company before excel it would always be around like can this idea make 3 to 4 lakh a month so that we can pay every all of the bills and then like you wouldn't think about more than that initially but after you go to excel you realize that it has to be something which can generate like a billion dollar revenue or half a billion revenue at least so your benchmarks like was significantly different you start worrying about moats in your decision like should you if every time i want to build a feature you talk about is it something which is going to get significantly defensible over time or not and actually even more important thing the most important thing on the strategy front is that you are more mindful about what adjacencies you will not go into that actually these are three very interesting learnings for me from on the strategy front i think on the fundraising front i think uh, which is actually very critical part of building a company Uh, you start understanding how funding dynamic works how do fund look at a company and they become very powerful tools when you are building your own setup you listen to a lot of fundraising pitches of successful founders right so you know what is good and what is not good enough more important thing in the fundraising front you also learn is that who to not raise money from when to raise money when to not raise money you are you become more methodical about fundraising as a uh, thing so it is a very powerful tool when you sort of uh, build some of these companies i tell a lot of people that if you want to be a founder you 
don't know what uh, you don't know we are un still unsure about your idea it actually makes sense for you to spend some time at a fund that will sort of open up a lot of horizons for you yeah and and for those you know since you know vc funds are still few what are other avenues that you know these founders who are tinkering with their ideas or professionals who want to start their own ventures uh, can learn about you know this entire landscape of fundraising or venture building no i think a much larger opportunity is actually go work for a startup at a senior enough level right because that opportunity is much larger and uh, obviously you correctly said that venture opportunity is very very small relatively as compared to that like there are thousands of funded startups that you can go and work for within startup community obviously if you want to learn know how then go and work for a funded startup or even in unfunded cases work with somebody who has scaled it to a bit so that you at least know what success looks like and uh, i felt that my stint at yahoo and amazon really taught me a lot of tools uh, around building a company than anything else right so just knowing how success looks like it's going to be helpful yeah i think that's a very valid point and now you know with the ecosystem just starting to mature we are seeing what success looks like you know at an entrepreneur level and a lot of people are now venturing into entrepreneurship more than they would you know have probably 5 years uh, earlier uh, so that's definitely a you know positive that we are seeing in the ecosystem you know talking about your early days as a you know as a vc at axel you spotted flipkart and you were the associate you know when flipkart got funded so tell us about that story you know how did you bump into the uh, bunsels and uh, back then what led you to believe that you know this is going to be the flipkart that we see uh, the scale that it is at today so i used to work at amazon and uh, i think sachin and bini were at amazon during the same period so i had not known them personally but i had heard about them through common friends and we had bunch of common friends also during that period and when they started uh, i was at axel and then i heard about their service through bunch of people and then i had asked some people to write introductions to me but even before that happened i there was used to be this event called open coffee club it used to be like every other sunday morning so they came to that event and i bumped into them and um, it was an instant click right we had similar backgrounds we both worked with amazon we are both from iit computer science programming background so there is so much shared context that it was easy to appreciate what they were doing and who they are so after working for amazon at amazon was pretty large when i was there in 2006 also right the stock price was not sky high but it was still known to be like category creating company it was also evident that uh, technology will play a very large role in uh, building a company like this and internally it was always discussed that technology will be the reason then next amazon would find it harder to compete or walmart will hard, find it hard to compete with them and these were two guys who are programmers so they obviously understood technology and secondly i think early customer reviews are incredible like they are they were the kind of reviews that i have not even seen after that right so people would just order something and we get so amazed that they will write an email to the company or they will tweet about it or they will write it on social media somewhere so for me there are two things in front, were in front of me it was a great market it was bound to happen in india if e-commerce became large in us it will eventually happen in india it's a matter of time right maybe we were too early but it will happen and secondly there was a team in front of me who has like proven execution capability so for me it was a clear yes yes but there were a lot, lot of open questions and this is like all investors in india met them and the next level questions were harder right because um, people like the first question obviously everybody asks is that how large is the market books were like 20 million gmv market in internet in, at that time mm -hmm. and yeah. you could make like 2 million dollar revenue out of that right and not more than 10% so every time we they, they met somebody or even when i took the deal internally there were a lot of like very fundamental questions and we were not able to answer them or the answer we would give actually would only increase their skepticism 
so we would take the deal internally it will get beaten down but maybe after a month again there will be some strong signal either customer reviews or company will hit a benchmark so we'll take it back again again a lot of new questions would come up so that cycle happened for a while like i think for almost a year these guys met every single fund i took it internally five six times and every time we got, we were sort of beating down finally one of my close friends uh, nitin rajput he used to work with me at amazon he suggested that why don't you just put personal money if you believe that it's a great company why don't you put in personal money and at that time obviously funds had a rule that you can't directly you can't invest personally if the fund is you are working for a fund so in fact a lot of my friends said that look instead of taking approval just invest you most likely they won't fire you for this <laughs> but uh, i wanted to sort of still take an approval i went inside and they said that look if they are ready to take 10 10 lakh rupees from you why not we put 50 from our fund and then rest is history right <laughs> so i think it was 50% conviction and 50% innocence on my front that i kept taking a deal again and again after getting getting beaten down and all vcs were saying no right i i don't know if i would do the same thing at this age <laughs> i was 27 and it was easy to sort of um, not feel beaten down by these questions but over thing i saw growth of flipkart delivery rupeek delivery was a similar story nobody wanted to fund initially like i shared it with a lot of people but they would just keep hearing no's i think one thing that changed was that i think markets may look small initially but when you get a great category creating great company the market explodes significantly and then there will be things like geo moment which will come and serendipitously help you like explode the market so if there is a strong signal bottoms up signal on execution it's very very hard to ignore i don't ignore it now i be- i've become more optimistic about how markets can expand and that's a powerful learning you know uh, and for people to listen to this back story about flipkart that they had to go around marketing themselves and shopping for funds and you yourself you know within axel had to pitch it five or six times and commit your own capital to you know to get the deal through it's amazing and it also you know talks about the kind of persistence that the founders had in terms of getting their signals across the potential investors that they wanted to get funds from and the kind of vision that they had about the company kudos to you and uh, thanks for you know bringing out that back story on flipkart and i'm sure since then you've learned a lot about you know investing and how you should think about startups even if it's counter intuitive at first uh, just like flipkart you know there's no market today but maybe there's an event a connected event which can come and explode that market for you so tell us you know from your own angel investing journey you know what has been your evaluation criteria for startups and what do you you know usually over index on correct so i think uh, before we get into that i think one has to understand that there's a big difference between angel investing and investing by a micro fund or a vc like micro fund might still write a 100000 dollar check and a angel might try and like maybe write a 20000 dollar check but i think the f- way to do both of them are very very different when you are doing professional investing professionally it is all about being very methodical about uh, selecting the market you have to do deep scan of the market understand key players in that meet them do deep uh, customer references do deep uh, founder references angel investing is exactly opposite it is about backing people around you so if you know somebody and if you feel that they are doing something very interesting there is an early sign that they are up to something interesting you like invest in them or the second way a lot of angel investing happens is that somebody a fund is investing or somebody you know is investing and then they call you along because you bring a specific value to the table right and so by that definition it uh, you typically either get a very qualified lead so you then end up investing in lot more of those companies or your success rate is much more then let's say conventional fund a fund would meet like 50 companies and then say yes to a one company 
But in case of Angel, you would typically get a very qualified deal. A micro VC will come and say that, look, we are investing. Why don't you come along? So you would typically end up saying one in maybe two or three companies at most, right? So in Angel investing, it is a lot more about backing the signal around you rather than being very methodical top down. I think the follow-up would be, uh, you know, how do you think about allocating funds when you're angel investing? Like you said, you know, there could be a bunch of good deals that come to you at a point in time. And again, you might have your own strategy to deploy those funds. And as an angel investor, you know, uh, especially a lot of them might not have the VC background, you know, that you had uh, the benefit of earlier. So, you know, how do you think about your fund allocation strategy? And if you have any thoughts on, you know, people who are just starting their own angel investing journey today. So uh, I think... uh... The market has become very active now. So I get invited to a lot many more deals than I can potentially do. So typically it has been more like whatever is the sort of company has decided that these are the broad check sizes they will accept. You end up doing uh, some of those check sizes. For people who are starting new, I think I tell them that, look, if whatever money you have, try to divide it into segments or try to divide it into multiple opportunities. Don't put all your money into one or two companies because it will take a while for you to figure out what works, what doesn't work. So at least do small check sizes and then distribute them over time frames, distribute them over companies so that you can learn and then you can start doing better deals. Other thing that people need to, while they're doing angel investing, one thing that they need to worry about is that, is it like a problem which is largely unsolved and uh, largely virgin market not many people exist in that market it has to be like a very clear gap in the market and it's a blue ocean deep blue ocean like there are very few companies you're not competing with tens of players these are the markets which are a lot more easier to sort of back and then work with let them let these companies evolve no makes a lot of sense you know a lot of people say that you know angel investing is more art than science so first of all you know do you agree with that and Of course, you know, there are some nuances which can't be put into frameworks, you know, mental models. So how do you train yourself to become better at picking winners so early in their life cycle? So I feel angel investing is like any other skill. It's not like a secret skill. Like it is like selling. It is like coding. It is like being a product manager. You effectively have to spend enough time and you have to practice enough to win. And uh, by that definition, the younger you start, the better off you are. So I fortunately got into this at like 27. So that helped a lot. So I today have spent like 13, 14 years. Unfortunately, it's a very undocumented subject. It's not as if you can pick up a book or you can pick and read 100 videos. If I have to, let's say, learn how to play tennis today, I can get a coach or I can watch hundreds of videos. I can read a book, but it is not the case here. Hence, a lot of learning is from peers. It has to be from mock sessions. It has to be by practice. So if you have luxury of actually investing some money, you should do it budget yourself to like 20 bets in next five years if you don't have luxury of money like do mock deals and note them down note them note down your rationale see how they unfold see if there is are things to learn right and peer learning of is obviously critical in such a scenario you meet a lot of other angels who are in your similar cohort they are also trying to figure out but you will all teach each other a lot and that's how i learned when i went to excel i was came from a programming background. So I knew very little of what investing is. So I met a lot of peers in other venture funds internally. I knew, I learned a lot from my partners there. And and then eventually you start seeing some patterns of things that work, that doesn't work. So that's how I I would sort of uh, suggest people. And it is, uh, at some stage you have to take a call. Is it going to be a part-time angel activity as a hobby or are you wanting to be professionally? If you want to do it professionally, just put all your energy into getting a job there. That is the fastest way to learn investing. 
Yeah, agreed. And I think it's a flywheel as well, right? In a way, you get referred to better deals if founders that you're backing right now are seeing value in having you on the cap table and you're able to, you know, give them support and maybe introductions and getting them more sales. The more you get involved and more you can help founders ultimately, I think that will give you more better deals and uh, eventually you'll have better returns on that portfolio that you're trying to build. Absolutely. So Abhishek, uh, in all across Traction Labs, across your own capital, you've invested in more than 100 deals, uh, right? So uh, one fundamental question that comes to mind is, you know, what's your why behind backing startups as an angel investor? What motivates you to write those checks again and again, especially at the early stages? Right. So I think um, for me, angel investing came as a natural next step. So when I left Axel, most of the people who had worked for fund earlier were doing angel investing. And at Axel, I had met like maybe 1000 founders over three years. So a lot of them would start their next companies or they reached out to me saying that they are doing something, would I be keen? In a lot of cases, I had friends who were working for other funds and they were doing a deal and they would call me along. So it came naturally as a next step. I don't think I thought too much about it. But when I look back, obviously after doing a bunch of deals and I was looking at, is it something I want to scale or is it something I want to sort of stop doing over time? I think uh, two things really stood out for me. One was, I think uh, founders by definition are people who are able to see next innovation in their market. So next disruption in their market. And hence they have some degree of vision, which is more than others. They have some degree of hustle, which can inspire you more than others. So figured out that I get, I learned a lot from these eight, 10 companies that I backed earlier. And uh, secondly, they also inspired me a lot. So they inspired me to do more in my life, right? So you want to keep building that sort of ecosystem around you. Second thing was, uh, I also see startup as a problem solving framework. For example, before Uber or before Ola, I think people at least in Bangalore know how difficult it used to like sort of haggle with auto every day, right? And, but within a span of 10 years and few billion dollars, we were able to solve that problem globally, not just in India. And if I compare that to the money, all the government agencies spend on transportation in their respective city, think about all the buses that Bangalore uh, runs or in Bombay, run, and a lot of them are loss making, right? So those are uncapped or unmeasured problem solving methodologies where you don't know how much money will it take more to actually get to a place where it's sustainable, right? So startup as an ecosystem is a problem solving framework within finite time and money, you are able to get actually problem solved for the entire universe. And that is very interesting, right? You can, you can participate in that uh, journey is incredible, right? And guess what? It's not a philanthropy. You actually end up making insane returns, right? So uh, what else can you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, instead of seeing a linear curve that's been driven by the incumbents, uh, the startups give you that opportunity to see that step change, you know, in that sector and see that exponential rise or change over, you know, X number of years. So, you know, with that, I want to switch gears and talk about the founder perspective, right? When they are raising funds, uh, especially at the pre-seed and the seed levels, um, you know, what according to you are the common pitfalls that, you know, founders should avoid when they're raising funds from, you know, angels, angel networks. Right. So I think uh, largely don't do anything unconventional. For example, a good example would be you raise a seed round and dilute 40%. It is not something that a lot of uh, conventional companies would have done. So try to avoid it. It's not saying that you should never do it. Like Paytm did it. So a lot of these companies actually had the case where they had done like raised a seed round, which was 30%. But usually there is a benchmark. And if you're unsure, just make sure that you follow the convention. Uh, one specific category of angel network slash any fund would to avoid is typically if uh, they are known to lot sort of pushing their companies into exits 
So once they invest within three years or four years, they will say that give me my exit and like I want to give my returns back. That is not something startups can typically plan for. If it can happen as a part of round, that's great. But if you see a history of a fund doing that, then that is not a good idea. I think that these are broadly two things, and as long as you follow convention, you are fine. Yeah, got it. And you know, a lot of times it happens because uh, sometimes the founders are in a desperate situation, or the circumstances such that you know either they don't have much runway for the next round, or they just want to you know get started and get any kind of money on the cap table. And it's it's usually then that we've seen you know some of these. unconventional uh, situations and terms arising right no look if you have no option there's only sometimes you will get pushed into a corner and you will take these con- unconventional calls and it's fine i think you just have to over time work towards coming out of that corner that's all yeah and you know now uh, people are talking about there's so much capital there's so much capital to back very few ideas i don't know if that's true or uh, that's how you are looking at it uh, but capital is surely getting commoditized with time and founders are slowly getting into a situation where they can choose their investors and they want to see some you know baseline value addition from who they are getting on the cap table so what according to you should be a fair you know expectation from founders from their angel investors and then maybe we can talk about how you've been adding value to your own portfolio of you know founders that you're backing so i think uh, typically when you're raising money you will get some people who have uh, seen that market right so people who would come to me would either be people who are either building a saas company so they clearly know that we have we are building a saas company so there is a lot of uh, know how that we can share uh, secondly i think they look for uh, like fundraising is one of the larger problem that people face challenges with so they look for an angels who can connect them who can write very very strong introductions so i think that is the second big thing that people talk about other than that i think uh, third thing that people care about more is is it a person they can go and talk to and discuss a lot of things because outside functional skills and fundraising there is a lot of personal questions that people have while building a company right so i think co-founder sort of issues or like people management issues and these are not something which you can go and discuss with anybody right so they also look for somebody who they can go and discuss some of these deeper topics which they can't discuss externally so i think these are three broad things that i have seen people uh, or people have come back and told me that these are the areas where i was able to add a lot of value to them but i think uh, eventually if you are running a company or if you are in this ecosystem and if you are like if you genuinely want to help people you will find enough opportunities to help them and that is what founders should also look for got it no awesome and i think this has been uh, you know one fantastic conversation and i'm sure a lot of founders after listening to this at least our podcast will you know reach out to you you know with that uh, let's switch to our final segment which is the rapid fire you know i last some questions and hope to get your uh, honest immediate thoughts on the same okay first one one thing that you would like to change to improve the state of the indian startup ecosystem i think more capital unlike what people think i think we are still significantly capital deprived i think i have overheard somewhere right fundamentals follow capital and not the other way around it's not about building fundamentally strong company and then capital will come it's about getting enough money and then cap fundamentals will get built out so i think more capital is what we need as a ecosystem today right and do you see a specific you know way where we can open that floodgate and you know have see more capital uh, especially domestic capital coming in into the venture ecosystem i think the current flywheel is pretty interesting i think we have already been doing enough i think we linearly itself can grow to a very large number but i think uh, if there are one or two uh, friction points around uh, startup valuations or around uh, 
AIF investment tax break, we can do something on those directions. It will be very interesting. Next question. Uh, if you had to give a TED talk, what topic would you choose and why? Right. I think a survival guide for first time founders. <laughs> they are so, every founder just goes to the same set of errors again and again. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Look forward to that and look forward to the TED talk as well. You know, whenever that opportunity arises and we get to hear you on that. So last question, uh, VCs and founders from the ecosystem that you admire and look up to. I think Sachin, Sachin Bansal for like, he has one uncapped audacity in his thought process. That is something which is very hard to be. Right. And when it comes to VCs uh, from, from the Indian ecosystem. So I think it's still early. I think I'm still waiting for more work to get done. Awesome. Uh, any any last thoughts, uh, Abhishek, for you know both current and aspiring founders that are listening to you through the podcast? So there's one thing that I usually tell people, and I also writ- have written about it, is like uh, today we are producing like ten unicorns in India. In less than ten years, that number will grow to be producing one hectocon or a hundred billion dollar company, and at least five decacons in a year. So the future is significantly, and this is like less than ten years. So this future is significantly more. Like it's much bigger than what you can imagine or can see today. We'll probably even stop celebrating unicorns. So when you are looking at a future that is so deep and so bright, and same will go towards wealth generation for next level employees and so on and so forth. So I think like work very hard and make sure that you bring best out of yourself. We are just getting started as a country and be optimistic about everything. No, I think that's really powerful and the, uh, that kind of foresight coming from, you know, someone like you who has seen that change paradigm shift in the ecosystem over the last decade or so. I'm sure a lot of people will take your word for this. So Abhishek, thank you so much for taking out time, you know, really enjoyed having this conversation. Would love to, you know, have this conversation again on more topics, hopefully next time. So yeah, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Thank you, Jay. Uh, it was an honor to be here. No, it was totally our pleasure. So thank you so much for taking out time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the VC Bruno podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let our guests know about it. Share your thoughts on social media and let them know what were your key takeaways. We would truly appreciate if you could subscribe to our podcast on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a review on Apple iTunes. This will help others discover the podcast. To get insights and to learn more about startups and venture capital, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We will love to hear from you there. You can find all episodes together on our website, thevcpreneur.com. We will be back again next week with another VCpreneur that is making a dent in the venture universe. Until then, take care and keep shining.